the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along. Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. Sunny, a little chilly out there, but uh, still, it's not snowing. Kath, good to see you. It's the March Madness edition oh. of The Ride Home. Watched a little basketball last night. I don't watch a lot of basketball, but when this time of year comes around... Uh, and when Pitt's involved. Yeah. Definitely. Last night was the play-in game, if you're not a basketball fan. Uh, Pitt played Mississippi State last night for the chance to be a part of the uh, national brackets that mm-hmm. lead to the national championship. And it was a game for the ages. It was an excellent game. Very tense. I don't, it what? wasn't. i got to be honest with you, that wasn't enjoyable. No. No. Well, why don't you tune in? Whether it's Steeler football, Penguins, now Pitt. Those hours you spend in front of the tube or whatever. They what can't. It's torture. All I could think of was my mom, who passed away a couple years ago. She always used to say, now this can't be good for us. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're like ready to have heart attacks. (laughs) We were always like that all the years growing up. This can't be good for us. But I look forward to it every day. And then all of a sudden it's on. Listen, last night was so terrific. Mm. I loved everything about it. How about when Burton goes out with two fouls, like in the first, what, four minutes of the game? Mm -hmm. And he sits on the bench the whole night. You're thinking Frederico is hurt. You think there's no way they're going to be able to do it. And they still prevailed. Is that one of the greatest names in sports? Frederico, Frederico. And his middle name is Frederico. I love it so much. (laughs) I I like to have that jersey. The you Frederico, have the, Frederico. You have the guy with the same name, and then you have the identical twins. It's the best team. It's funny. I haven't been this excited about a pit basketball team, well, oh, probably been, in 12 years. Easily. Yeah. It's been a long, long time. Super. Anyway, super, yeah. super um, exciting. How about Hinson with that three at the end? Was that from far mm, off? So pretty. Was that from far off? Like center court almost. It was so almost. needed at mm-hmm. that point. Yep. It was so needed. Do you have a bracket? I will have a bracket, and I'm going to be inviting a whole lot of you to be a part oh, of my bracket. Okay, but I, I meant to set it up today, but then I left my phone at the restaurant where we ate lunch mm. and lost yeah, okay, 30 good. minutes of work time driving around. Here's the deal, though. Whenever you do a bracket, all of a sudden you have to like give your you have to like set up an account. Yeah. Well, like that's so hard. Come on. Oh, for you know what? I may have set up an account like last year, but I forget what account that was. Was it with well, ESPN? I keep telling was you, it... why don't you just have a password tracking app? I don't even know what the account was with, who it was with. But you would know if you had a password tracking uh, app. I guess. Someday. Lex, do you have one of those? No, but Apple usually has like Oh, because the... they save it. And yeah. yeah, they just save it anyway. So I'm like, You guys, you need to have an app. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was going to do a, like a bracket. I'm doing it today. And then it was like, oh, you have to sign into your account. I was like, I don't even know if I have an account. So then I gave them an email. Oh, you do have an account. What's Isn't the that a password? Pain? I don't have that's, no, that's I forget a, the password. A, that's a huge pain. Then I just, I just deleted it and I'm like, forget no, it. No, no. You're... I'm inviting you, right. and you have to be a part of it. Fine. Okay. Lex, right. you have to be a part of it. Okay, I okay. will. 
Are you a hockey fan, but are you a basketball fan? I love basketball. Do you? My uh, college's basketball team was, like, the thing. So I learned how to play, or didn't learn how to play, but, like, obviously learned Learned a lot of the game. Okay, now, did you watch the pit game last night? I did not. Lexi! I'm sorry. Good golly! That's okay. There's plenty of time to watch. Yeah, because they're playing Iowa State 3, 10 p.m. Friday. How's that game look? Uh, Iowa State? I I was uh, favored by three and a half. Okay. I, mean, I feel really. A, listen, they're playing with house money now. Yeah. Like, look at it's free free for all. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, why not? They're like good. It. I'm I'm picking them for sure. Very, oh, look, very nice. look, I got my flashlight on again. Good. Oh, you're being kidnapped. Hap- I don't know what's Blink happening. Like, mm-hmm. I can't control my phone, you guys. All righty. Hey, March Madness edition of the ride home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to talk about it. No, nope, we're not. <laughs> but I have a lot of other things to talk about. Four in particular. All right, good. So, without further ado, please give us the news. The top four at four. For Wednesday, March 15th, 2023, number one, Credit Suisse shares fell 24% and hit a fresh record low yesterday, reflecting increasing concerns that troubles that hit our banks here in the U.S. have migrated across the Atlantic. Other major European banks took hits with shares in France's two major international banks, both down more than 10%. Shares in Germany's Deutsche Bank slid 9%. This, of course, comes days after two major bank failures here in our country, raising worries that institutions at the heart of business and commerce are struggling to cope with all the sharp increases in interest rates over the past year. In case you're following along, or especially maybe in case you haven't been following along, this is not the first problem Credit Suisse has had. Repeated scandals and financial losses have hammered the bank, which is 166 years old. It combines a wealth management business catering to the world's elite rich. They combine that with a Wall Street investment bank. I can't imagine what could go wrong. It's from today's Wall Street Journal. Number two. Iranian police said today that 110 suspects have been arrested in connection with the mysterious poisonings of thousands of girls in schools across the country. The police spokesperson announced the arrests in remarks carried by Iranian media. Now, here's my question. Hmm. Who are they arresting? Because they're still not admitting there's a problem. They call it mass hysteria. Right. Iran has heavily restricted independent media and arrested dozens of journalists since the outbreak of of nationwide anti-government protests last year. It is also targeted not people that are poisoning others, but reporters covering the poisonings, Hmm. even as officials have provided few details about what is happening. More than 1,200 Iranian girls from at least 60 different schools have become ill since last November as a result of what may have been chemical or biological attacks. The true number targeted, they're guessing, is much higher. Activists in Iran, a group that closely monitors this situation, has put the number at over 7,000 students. So they're saying it's a bunch of girls being hysterical. Hmm. Well, so who are they arresting? Yeah, hysterical people. Number three. In spite of the 12-plus inches of snow that fell in mountainous parts of New York last night, our winter has basically been the winter that wasn't, right? right? Well, it's not only here, because listen to this, John. The Niagara City Cruises, the boat tours that take tourists around the falls, you know, like the Maid of the Mist and all those, they are opening for the season on Thursday, which is the earliest point in the year the cruises have ever begun operations. Because there's no ice on the falls. That's right. Um, the annual spring opening usually dependent there on the buildup of ice on Lake Erie over the winter, which has been so minimal, there are as little as 1% of the lake service currently covered in ice. Interesting. Have you been to the falls? 
Oh, yeah. Lovely, isn't it? Oh, I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. Long-term trends show an average 22% decline in the annual maximum ice cover across all the Great Lakes since 1973. Buffalo tied for its fifth warmest winter on record. Mm -hmm. And number four, let the madness begin. Pitt beat Mississippi State last night 60-59 to in an NCAA game that changed hands. The lead did more than any game since 2018. Back and forth and, and back and And that's forth. your top four at four. I loved it. Listen, I couldn't breathe. I put my head under the blanket mm-hmm. more than once. No, I, I just looked down at my phone for a little bit. Did you? Because mm, you, you have to emotionally escape a yeah, little bit, right. don't mm-hmm. you? Sometimes I just look to my left. Oh, so oh, look over there for a little bit. I, yeah. I didn't watch it live. Oh, yeah. Do you know why? Because I don't just avoid the commercials. No, because I don't get true TV and I couldn't figure out how to watch it. Oh, right, right, right. So it took me all this time to figure out how I could get it. Mm -hmm. Did you get it, though? I did get it. I I wanted to comment to you after the game is over. I'm glad you didn't. But I held Because I I figured as much. I think it ended about midnight and I didn't finish. Is that right? And I didn't finish until like 1230. No, I think it ended a little sooner than that. 9, 10, 11. Maybe like 11. No, because it didn't start until 935. Yeah, I think it was around midnight really? that it's yeah that it ended. All right, well, so good to stay you. up. Very nice. Yeah, I'll stay away. Okay, we have a terrific show coming up right after the break. We're going to talk about a really shocking case of uh, brain death and organ harvesting, and uh, I think it's something we should all know about and think about. Mm-hmm. It's coming up next Wednesday edition. Right home. WORD. The biggest annual outdoor celebration of Christian music happens right here in Pennsylvania. And Word FM is making it easier for you to go. Creation 2023. This year's lineup includes Katie Nicole, We the Kingdom, Big Daddy Wee, Matt Cowell, Micah Tyler, Switchfoot. Very excited. Yes, I am. Why pay full price? As a Word FM listener, your ticket is 50% off. Did you get your tickets? Go to wordfm.com for access to your half-off tickets for Creation 2023. When you pray to God, what do you say to Him about yourself and your family? I ask God for strength and courage with my kids. I know God doesn't ever give any pain without relief, so I ask him to keep giving me strength to better raise my kids. Maybe put someone on my path that'll make a difference in my life. You can be an answer to the prayer of a mother like Mirlan. My name is Anitra with Food for the Poor, and we're inviting you to be a part of the miracle story that God is telling in the lives of families throughout the Caribbean and Latin America. Today, your one-time gift of $144 is going to provide a family of four with food for a year. Click on the Give Food banner at wordfm.com or text Send Hope one word to 91999 and you'll receive a link to give your best gift. Hi, I'm Olivia and I'm 11. Some people my age might think water in a basement's pretty cool. Who wouldn't want an indoor swimming pool? But my dad taught me a thing or two about homes. You mean all those times I talked about waterproofing. You were actually listening? Absolutely. I'm like Alexa. Okay, so how does JD Waterproofing protect your home? By keeping water out of the basement so it doesn't compromise the structure of your home. And? By not giving yucky mold and mildew a place to grow. Pretty good. Dad, I wasn't finished. Oh, sorry. And JD Waterproofing can save you money. Do tell. 
by saving you from having to replace your basement appliances from water damage. I couldn't have said it better myself. Got water problems? Don't cry. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY. J&D Waterproofing. 1-800-VERY-DRY. Studies show decades of increased taxpayer spending per student has failed to improve educational performance. Can't we do better? Pittsburgh's Christian schools say we can. Right now, local Christian schools are offering half-price tuitions for first-time enrollees, like Rama Christian School in Moon. If you're looking for a safe environment for kids to learn where character matters and academic excellence is served by highly qualified teachers, consider Christian education. Visit wordfm.com slash tuitions. Organ harvesting. This is a very common medical procedure. Certainly it helps a lot of people. Oh my gosh, it saved countless lives. Yeah, but there is an ethical platform or standard that you've got to follow. Uh, Otherwise, everyone's Frankenstein. Oh my gosh. Charlie Camosi is back with us. Charlie's been a regular guest of our show over the years. He's professor of medical humanities at the Creighton University School of Medicine. He spent 14 years at Fordham University's theology department, author of more than seven books, including Beyond the Abortion Wars and Resisting Throwaway Culture, here today to talk to us about reexamining brain death and organ harvesting. Charlie, welcome back. It's a very interesting uh, subject here. Hey, John. Hey, Kathy. Nothing like another light topic. from. Yeah, I know. Boy. Can't you come on and talk about basketball or something sometime? <laughs> I will. I will. Oh. I have a lot to say about that, too. I okay. have a lot to say about that. All right. We'll have to work that out. Okay. So, Charlie, tell us this story about this pastor presumed brain dead and then something else happened. Well, yeah, it's unfortunately not a unique situation, but... Um, this pastor named Ryan Marlowe uh, from North Carolina uh, was declared brain dead. Um, and uh, he's alive today <laughs> and he's at home. And, uh, and he says, you know, this is, uh, he's so grateful and there's, you know, everyone's so happy. And this is, but, but I think what's important for us to realize here is that this was a somewhat lucky case um, that this was found out at, at the time that it was. Because as somebody who pays very close attention to these things, the yeah. way that um, the brain death criteria gets used in practice, which is there's two ways you could be declared dead. One, you could have what's called a cardiopulmonary definition of death, which is basically you stop breathing and your heart stops beating. Or you could be declared brain dead, which means your whole brain has died, or at least that's the letter of the law. In practice, however, um, physicians increasingly and, med- and medical teams, organ harvesting teams, don't really test to make sure that the whole brain is dead. And this is something that I discovered a few years ago and have been alarmed by ever since, because as your intro intimated, right, if that's the case, then who, you know, what, what, what's going on here? Are we just kind of randomly deciding how much of the brain has to be alive and how much is dead? And so this pastor's uh, story is a cautionary tale, I think, that we need to take um, heed about. So uh, physicians pronounced him brain dead. And then was the organ harvesting process ready to begin or what happened there? Well, I've I've not read every story um, uh, about this, but uh, he was on life support and they told his wife that he would remain on uh, life support um, until they kind of got the uh, organs ready. but uh, it turned out, luckily, <laughs> that uh, somebody else on his medical team was paying attention and said, wait, this guy 
is not dead yet. And it's it's really fascinating that he was an organ donor, apparently, because there really isn't a lot of time usually in those situations because we have such a desperate need. And I'm, I'm here. I'm an organ donor myself. I, I think organ donation is good. It saved lives of people that I care about. That's for sure. Um, so make me, I just want to be 100% clear about that. But in cases like Jahai McMath, I don't know if you remember her case. I wrote about it in my um, in one of my books on uh, on resisting throwaway culture. She was this African American girl who had this horrible dental procedure go go wrong, and uh, was supposedly brain dead as well in California. In fact, according to their lawyer and to their family, the the attending physician pounded his fist on the table in front of them and said, she's dead, dead, dead. What is it you don't understand? They wanted to care for her. They wanted to keep, she was not an organ donor. They were not planning on donating her organs. Well, they went to the only state really in the union, my own state of New Jersey, where you can have religious freedom and not accept brain death as actual death. And they were able to care for her for another five to six years. And I just read an article last year saying, well, it turns out Jahai McMath might not have been brain dead. She might've had something called responsive unawake syndrome. And, and here, John and Kathy, is where the rub really is. There are a lot of people who don't think that the very strict criteria that we have, which is the whole brain needs to be dead, is really what we need. Really what we need, as one nature editorial said, is you don't have, as long as the activity that you're capable of has nothing to do with being alive in any meaningful sense, quote, meaningful sense, that's right, in the issue of um, uh, 19 uh, or 2009 issue of Nature um, Journal, um, in meaningful sense, um, then you, we should just declare you dead, right? And your whole brain doesn't have to be dead. But really, what's you know what's what's really valuable about your life? You sh we should try to make your life valuable actually by taking your organs and save the lives of other people. Now, if this debate sounds familiar, is because it is. It's a very it's a mirror image almost of the abortion debate, right? To say like, well. You know, I guess you're a functioning member of the species Homo sapiens, but you really don't have anything yet that's valuable about yourself, right? It's all in the future. It's all potential. It's just this functioning organism. Um, so really what makes your life valuable hasn't really kicked in yet. And I, I think actually that's a lot of what's going on here. The abortion debate tends to infect almost everything around it, including – uh, you know, so much of our politics as we discussed. But I think that's actually playing a big role here, too, right. as well. So, Charlie, uh, Kath and I, of course, we are we are not medical experts by any stretch. But, you know, there are many things that when you go into a hospital or a doctor's office, of course, there are always, you know, um, there's a procedure. There's this follows this mm -hmm. follows this, right? There's a, a flow to the system, it feels. And as if though. there wasn't a flow to the system, it'd be chaos. Right. It? So to, to say that someone is brain dead do you have to go through certain junctures and channels to reach this conclusion? And is it more than one opinion or does one person, can one person control the, the final outcome of someone else's life? Well, it's actually quite different depending on the kind of culture at the particular hospital yet that you're at, about the particular state that you live in. Um, even perhaps the um, even perhaps the uh, mood that the, that the uh, team happens to be that morning, really, because there isn't a kind of um, test that everyone agrees on, right? To say that oh, this means that you know you're definitely brain dead because there's the there's the principle that says your whole brain has to be dead, and then there's the testing that's done to determine that, and those are two different things. And especially if the person who's on the medical team doesn't really agree with the strict definition, right, that the whole brain needs to be dead, then, you know, you can kind of 
you know, do it uh, not as carefully or not as rigorously, right? You could say, well, I don't know if we really need to test for whether the hypothalamus still has blood flow in it. And guess what? They didn't for Jahai McMath. And Jahai McMath, after being declared dead by the state of California, got her first period. She reached puberty after being declared brain dead by the state of California. Other people declared brain dead have gestated children to birth. So they were pregnant when they got into a car accident or something. They've been declared brain dead. And they keep, um, they keep the so-called dead person alive long enough to gestate the child and deliver the child, and all of a sudden you have a living child. Now, I, don't know, I don't know about you, but if somebody can deliver a child, if somebody can have their first period, they are alive. There's really no debate about that from my perspective. But this is the kind of thing that we're dealing with right now because we don't really have a clear, coherent standard. I see. So then when people say, well, my, you know, my ex, my, my husband, wife, whomever, uh, they are essentially in a, a vegetative state, and so um, uh, unable to communicate, um, not willing to, you know, not able to live a so-called normal life. They are brain dead, and so would that include people on life support or not? And in that vegetative state, they are of no use to anyone. They are essentially warehoused, so it's best to just let them go. Right. So this is really important. I'm glad you asked the question because. We need to distinguish between whole brain death and vegetative state. Terry Schiavo may be the most famous case for a vegetative state that, that your listeners may remember was not brain dead. She had sleep and wake cycles. She was responding to music. If you, if you Google Terry Schiavo, there's a, um, you know, there's a, on YouTube, you can find an example of her reacting to music, light and dark. She would react to some of the people visiting her claim that they would react to the sound of their voices. Everyone agrees that Terry Schiavo is, was not brain dead, but your point still stands, right? If the argument isn't, is basically like, well, maybe their brain isn't totally dead, but really they're just a vegetable, really. They're just kind of laying there. Really, they have no particular value. Let's, what, what, why not? Why not say that uh, somebody, we could take the vital organs, right, from somebody who's in a persistent vegetative state? Or, or what's stopping us from going full Nazi on this and saying, well, you know, they're not lives worthy of living. Let's, you know, do some experiments or let's try to have their lives have some value to the broader community. I mean, there really is no principled place to step in and say, um, you know, we, we ought not to do this, except to say that they're dead, right? which is which is kind of the point right at the uh, from the beginning. Right. Oh, Charlie, as you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking of all the things that go into how we think about this issue. Um, a lot of it is, you know, you, you look at someone and you think, well, that's not, a, that's not living. You know, living is being able to go out for lunch like John and Lexi and I did today or, you know, play with your kids or, uh, you know, go to the grocery store. You live your life. Right. Um, but when it's somebody that you love and you look at them having a life that's diminished somehow, it's better than them not being alive. I just think it's easy for us to look at these issues like it, dispassionately, you know, like nobody cares. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's one thing to consider. And the other thing is, I don't know how you take a belief in God out of this equation, because if you don't mm -hmm. have that, I just think you look at this life issues so differently. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we don't have a very good history as a human race of deciding who's valuable and who's not and who you know, it has a life worth living and who doesn't. And so even when it might seem intuitive to us to say, well, that's not living, think about the populations we've said that about in the past. Yeah. And think about how progress we've made, right? 
how much progress we've made to say, well, you know, that's really ableist. Life is like the value of a human being is not about what they can do, right? Or about what they can perform. That's, that's a really bad way of thinking about things. A, a human being has life to, per your point, has, has dignity, has equal dignity because they've been made in the image and likeness of God. And it's not that they are, have all the powers of God or something like that. None of us have that, but it, but it, in our nature, our human nature, we reflect that image. And we some of it do it do it you know in ways that are you know a particular way when we're very young that gets diminished when we're older right or when we're disabled or have an injury or sick but if there's one thing Christ told us right it's that those are the people who matter the most right those who are yeah. most at risk marginalized uh, marginalization by the culture there am I right that's me if you if you accept me if you welcome me if you care for me that or them you're caring for me if you reject them on the other hand if you marginalize them if you kill them you you're doing that to me too. That's at the heart of the Christian faith, for sure. Right. right. So then in some ways, you, you look at us right now, speaking, communicating, living our lives, and then you might, you know, sort of go backwards, so to speak, not to diminish anyone's human life, but uh, people injured in accidents or, you know, brain trauma or someone perhaps uh, even further down, you know, you go, oh, they have um, Down syndrome. So what value would that right. be? Or even further. And, and so then, you know, instead of going forward, to the value of life, you go backwards to the disvalue of life, for lack of a better word, and someone, you're saying a medical ethicist or a team, depending upon the day, the time, the mood, has to decide that value. That's right. And I think I've talked about uh, this on your show before. There are lots of studies out there to show that physicians and those on in, in medicine in general lead very privileged lives. They lead lives which are very much connected, obviously, to their power of reason and rationality. And so they really find it difficult compared to the general population to say that a particular person who's lost this part of who they are is is the same in, as everybody else. And, and it's that plays out in the study. So physicians constantly and consistently, not everyone, but on the, on the average, um, rate the quality of life of their patients less than the quality of li- that the patients do themselves. But it's, and it's not too difficult to understand why. I mean, that's, you know, you live your whole life basically like your powers of reason matter, you know, are at the heart of who you are and somebody's lost, but you're like, well, that's not bad. But, but that's why it's so important to stand for the, the equal dignity of every single human life, regardless of their capacities and regardless. And that's why the humanities and, and dare I say, theologians and philosophers need to hold physicians accountable, need to hold medical teams accountable, because it's not it, these aren't questions that you're going to find answers to in a medical textbook. Right. These are questions about value and about philosophy, about metaphysics and about theology, for sure. Dr. Charlie Camosi is professor of medical humanities at the Creighton University School of Medicine. Check I got one of his books, including Beyond the Abortion Wars and Resisting Throwaway Culture. Charlie, thanks for being here. We love you. Can't wait to talk some hoops next time. Goodness. (laughs) Charlie Camosi, Resisting Throwaway Culture, among many of his fine works. Tens of thousands affected by the toxic water at Camp Lejeune are left with death cancer, Parkinson's, dementia, birth defects, and other serious illnesses. And along with the harm, so many worries. My family drank the Camp Lejeune water. What if our health gets worse and we need more financial help? 
How do I protect my VA benefits and get the compensation I deserve and need? The answer is simple. Call James Harris Law, the experienced, trusted law firm that can get you significant compensation while protecting all your VA benefits. We're already fighting for hundreds of Marines, families, and civilians who drank Camp Lejeune water. But if you miss the deadline, you could forever lose your right to the justice you deserve. So call our Camp Lejeune legal helpline now. Now may be your last chance to receive full compensation. Don't delay. Call 800-299-7878. That's 800-299-7878. 800-299-7878. Let's be real. Retirement is expensive and inflation is making it even harder with the cost of everything going up from pet food to a dozen eggs. Wouldn't it be great if the cost of your health care could go down? Well, MediShare 65 plus is $99 a month for ages 65 to 74. And for many with Medicare Parts A and B, looking at other options, that's 50% or more saved per month. No gimmicks. It's $99 a month, and you can use any Medicare-approved doctor or facility, and you get 24-7 access to telehealth from the convenience of your home. Better yet, MediShare is a Christian nonprofit organization. It's a community that'll pray for you and encourage you. And since we've cut out the middleman, you get to keep the savings. Call now. You can learn more about MediShare 65 plus. Here's the number. 833-SHARE-55. That's 833-SHARE-55. 833-SHARE-55. Discover the magnificence of the Mediterranean with Alistair Bay and our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. Nine life-changing days of powerful worship, Bible study, and history. Sign up now. DeeperFaithCruise.com. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? Want it done right? Call doing it right. 724 New Roof. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at WordFM.com, the WordFM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. Now I'm, you know, trying to get better, stronger than ever. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Partly cloudy tonight with a low of 27. Tomorrow will be breezy with some sunshine giving way to clouds, high 56. Cloudy tomorrow night, couple of late night showers, low 46. Friday will be breezy with occasional rain and drizzle. We'll wrap up the week with a high of 54. Saturday will be windy and colder with intervals of clouds and sunshine. Expect a high of 38. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. We just finished talking about uh, medical ethics. Medical ethics. Next, we're going to be talking about uh, persistent fears that we have. So, so, right in the middle, I decided that we should talk about National Peanut Day because that's today. Break things up a little bit. And um, I, you know how I love a nut. Yeah. You name the nut, I'm a fan. Uh, the peanut in particular is so great. I mean, I like a peanut. Uh, that's not a full-throated pe- endorsement. No, the peanut. No, the pe- I love a peanut, a bag of peanuts at the ballpark, which is great. Yeah, but except not buying them there. Right <laughs> outside, the guys outside, or right. at your, you know, your friendly store. Yeah, the peanut. I, I think because it's so common, 
Um, it, so <gasps> you don't you, appreciate it anymore. No, no, I do. I, I do. But I'm okay. just saying, you know, like when you get into like macadamia nuts or oh, you, cashews. Oh, you, and, feels like it, you feel like it's pedestrian. Yes. Oh. It's the blue collar nut. <gasps> I feel badly for it. I, no, no. Now, like a nut in a, like a candy bar, I, I would avoid that. Meanwhile, the payday, the single greatest candy bar in the history of all candy. Seriously, I think it's the worst. The payday the worst. is so delicious, so perfectly great. I don't think, do they even make paydays anymore? I don't think that it's not even part of like the candy galaxy. It's just been such a bad candy bar. It's prized. It's manufactured proudly and I don't think so. by consumers like me. You know, my guess is it's not manufactured by like by one of the big candy. That's not. Probably, that is a lie. It's probably manufactured that by, is, by. You know what that is? That's two slander. guys in their basement. That's slander. Like in a, in a That's, laundry tub. I can't tub, believe you're saying like that. that. Seriously, it's like it is like the lowest of low rent candy no, bars. No, it's not. Payday. Um, the delicious payday. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, hold on. I mean, even the wrapper. The wrapper is just ugly. What? The whole it's, thing it's is like. White, blue, and yellow. Yeah. Again, it looks like someone's, you know, sort of home project. You're, okay, Payday is um, made See, you can't by Hershey. Uh, huh, it's not some kind of fringe company, is it, John? No, but Hershey does not come with some controversy as well, doesn't it? Oh, so now you're going to pick on Hershey. <laughs> our our state, The statewide entity. I'm just saying. The Payday's perfect. If I could eat a Payday every day. What? I would do that. That's how much I love them. But they're very high in calories. How many calories for a payday? A lot. 300? Uh, I... Six. <laughs> 600. Okay. Uh, no. I, I would say in the neighborhood of 350 probably would be a safe payday. Um, It's a... Wow. 899. 899? <laughs> Almost 900 calories be. for that a payday. Can't, that can't be. What's the... I mean, peanuts aren't that like heavily, heavily caloric, are they? Well, yeah, they are. But but here's the thing: nine hundred calories. That can't be right. Man. Seriously, that you eat can't a payday, right. and then you go into bed. You've had it. I'm anyway. gonna look it up. Eight eight ninety nine has to be too high. I don't think so. Happy uh, if you're celebrating today. Happy National Peanut Day to to you and yours. No, you're it's, fine. it's not. It's less than eight ninety nine. Best at the that's ballpark. if it has chocolate on it. Well, that's what a payday is, isn't it? Two ninety, John. Two ninety. <laughs> It's totally affordable. 101.5 WORD. Word FM welcomes back the Projecting Hope Film Festival. Presented by the Speakman Financial Group. For three days, it's fun, faith-focused, family-friendly films for free. Absolutely free. You pay for the goobers and raisinettes, but the popcorn and admission is free. Zero dollars. It's better when it's free. Movies, including A Marriage Made in Heaven, Family Camp, and the brand new Jesus Revolution. It's at Pittsburgh Mills Cinemas, March 24th through 26th. For movie times and to make advanced reservations go to wordfm.com doing it right roofing siding and remodeling the first owens corning mvp in pittsburgh and one of the longest tenured platinum contractors in the pittsburgh region doing it right roofing siding and remodeling call 724 new roof that's 724 new roof oil investments involve a high degree of risk and actual results may vary oil and natural gas keep going up as the russia conflict escalates get in on the next major oil boom now and help the u.s with your patriotic investment that can potentially pay you monthly income for up to 20 or more years. 
That's the sound of a producing oil well and the sound of a smart investment. If you're an SEC-accredited investor and have at least 25000 liquid now, you can take advantage of Encore Energy's projects and a huge tax savings for this year. If you invest in oil and natural gas, you're allowed to write off nearly 100% of your investment in the first year. Goldman Sachs is projecting oil to go up to $100 a barrel, and natural gas is the fuel of the future and trading at record prices. Call 800-287-6691. Encore Energy is a major investor and experienced operator in its core area of operations. Call now and learn how to deduct 100% of your investment and create 20 or more years of potential monthly income. Call 800-287-6691. That's 800-287-6691. See today's best faith-based and family-friendly movies all free of charge. March 24th through 26th, Word FM welcomes the 2023 Projecting Hope Film Festival to the Pittsburgh Mills Cinema. Presented by Speakman Financial Group. See the best faith-focused films of 2022 and the highly anticipated 2023 release, Jesus Revolution. Plus free popcorn. Get free same-day tickets at the door while they last or reserve now for a minimum $1 donation at ProjectingHopePGH.com. See website for showtimes. Creation Festival 2023 is your summer destination. June 21st through 24th at Agape Farm, Shirleysburg, PA. Featuring Switchfoot, Matt Powell, We the Kingdom, Big Daddy Weave, Riley Clemens, Micah Tyler, and many more. Creation Festival, worshiping our creator. Come for the day or the entire event and go home changed. Get half off the current ticket price now while they last exclusively at wordfm.com. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? 724 New Roof. How often do you do this? It's 3, 3.30 a.m., and all of a sudden you wake up with a start, and there you are, faced with your own existential angst, your fears, your loathings, all those things that coalesce. And there's nowhere to go. You're lying in bed. It's the middle of the night. So you start to rummage through them. I mean, I do this probably weekly. (laughs) Doug Burst is back with us. He's a regular guest on our show. He's the pastor and host. He's a pastor and a host of the uh, Fairly Spiritual Radio Show, uh, the program and the podcast. Author of a book that we love called Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. Doug, welcome back, friend. Uh, well, it's good to be back. Good to see you, John and Kathy, and Thank to you. be on this amazing show that Kathy hosts daily and allows John to sit in on. That's really <laughs> I'm just grabbing on the coattails That's wherever I can find them, true. Doug. That's not true. It's completely untrue. <laughs> Doug, John and I were just talking uh, before you came on the air about when the persistent fears in life hit most. Yep. So mm-hmm. is it... The middle of the night is it like when you're in the shower mm-hmm. when you're driving to work mm-hmm. and you said unequivocally oh it's the middle of the night yeah it, just, it has to be mm-hmm. doug talk, talk about those fears and those uh, those things that bog you down well i was thinking about this uh sometimes we struggle with what should we focus in on what's really important and uh all of us kind of get these obsessive thoughts where we just repeatedly go back to this uh negative thought or fearful thought and I was thinking about comparing it to uh, tinnitus. I don't know if anybody's ever had tinnitus or tinnitus, for those who like to correct people's pronunciation of things. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a ringing in the ear. And a lot of people get it when they begin to lose their high-level hearing, like when they can't hear the high-pitched sounds. And I have that. Oh. And uh, I was doing some study on this, and 
Tinnitus actually is not something that your ear hears, your brain hears. You could cut your ear off. I know that sounds a little Van Goghish, but you could cut your ear off and you'd still hear that high-pitched sound because it's what the brain does is the brain says, I want to hear that high-pitched sound. I don't hear it anymore, so I'm just going to make a high-pitched sound for you to focus in on. Oof. You say, why are you talking about ears when it comes to worries and fears? Well, I found the way I deal with my tinnitus to actually make it disappear or go away is I focus in on something outside my head. I don't focus in on that imaginary sound that doesn't exist. I'll actually put my hands in front of me and begin to snap my hands or snap my fingers. And I'll focus in on the snap and the sound of the snap. And my brain will say, okay, we'll focus in on that sound instead of the sound uh, that I've been trying to make inside your head. Uh, why is this important? Spiritually, I think we get like this, where we're focusing in on something, and the more we focus in on it, the more important it becomes. I think the way to get out of that cycle is to actually snap to it. Focus in on something outside yourself, uh, intentionally, uh, whether it's have a dialogue with your wife, probably shouldn't do that at two in the morning, uh, but some way to be able to focus in on another problem, another issue, reading scripture, and then you begin to put it in perspective. Because you can always go back to that place and you can see, do I still hear that sound? Do I, is that still an important thing? But I think what you'll find is you put that worry in context. And our tendency is just to obsess more on the worry and to find problems to solve the worry and to Google things to help us with the worry. And it's all focusing in on the sound, the sound, the sound, the sound. But maybe we need to actually get outside our head and see if that's the most important thing even to be focusing in on. When we turn away from ourselves and focus on the outside world or focus in on God, then we can see, is there something really there that needs to be dealt with? Or is it as important as we think it is? That's so good. Yeah. I mean, I could use that. I could have you. I guess I have used that approach only after I was with my therapist for a long time. But you don't even. Re I I think in the in the at least for me in the early stages of really struggling through something interpersonally, um, you don't even realize that tinnitus is the problem. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't even realize that your that your obsession on the issue is the problem. You just know that you're super unhappy and you want the issue to go away. You don't realize that the obsession with it is the issue. You know, it's not yeah. it's not the thing. It's you obsessing over the thing. Um, and I think that's part of maturity and part of like um, us taking a good assessment of ourselves and saying, okay, this issue is not going away. So my obsession about it is going to have to. Well, um, it's interesting you brought up even counseling, which I recommend anyone, counseling, therapy. These are all good things for Christians to, uh, to take part in. Uh, but one of the strengths of just something like that is not the expertise of the counselor. It's just that you begin to get something outside of your head and you speak it out loud and you have it you know, external to you. And it's the same kind of thing because what happens a lot of time with these obsessive thoughts or these fearful thoughts or the thought of, you know, my life's worthless and useless and not good enough or whatever the thing is you're doing, it also isolates us within our head and keeps us alone. I even think sometimes the scripture that says confess your sins one to another, that's not just about sins. It really should be about anything in that don't be out there by yourself, express it. And many of you have found the power of that with a safe person by just talking something out, not having solutions, not have them tell you what to do. It puts it in a perspective. It makes you less alone and it helps you to see, you know, well, is this that important or just by sharing it, 
it's taken away some of the power of this thing that I have been obsessing on, you know, all night long when I couldn't sleep. Yeah. So in some ways, Doug, this all goes back to the sense of community, right? Um, uh, we tend to be like, uh, you know, the, the army expression, an army of one. But the more we're engaged with relationship in our lives, we take the focus off of ourselves. We're in community. Of course, I believe we're, we're healthier because of that. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is... Um, I even think about the concept of community with God. Uh, sometimes this is how we treat the Bible and our spirituality. We have a problem, and then we go to the Bible or our pastor or you know Christian group only to talk about that problem. Mm. To me, that's like just focusing in on the ringing in your ear. Mm. Guess what will happen? That ringing will increase. Now, I, I hear me clearly. We should focus in on problems. I'm not saying we don't focus in on real issues. They're not imaginary. They should be focused in on. But I think scripture works best and our relationship with God works best and Christian community works best when it's more just, I want to spend time with you, God. And we just begin to read the scripture instead of searching scriptures on anxiety. We just read it and we let God speak to us. And we go to a Bible study instead of it just being about, I need this need, you know, I need to be fed in this area. We ask people questions around us. We listen to their prayer requests. We're present with the people, present with what the person is trying to teach or direct mm -hmm. us towards. When you do that, it immediately puts your needs in perspective. And as you said there, John, it allows us to see this larger community. And that's what we've been called into. Christ in us calls us into community. And in community, there's a wholeness and a oneness that's greater than isolation. So I would encourage some of your listeners, stop trying to Google Christian search your problems away. Mm. But just spend some time, you know, reading some poetry that's religious based, going to a devotional, walking and just praising God and singing songs. That has a way of keeping us from focusing in on just the that anxiety or that ringing or that fearful thought that we're going to over and over again. I love it. Doug Bursch is with us. He's a podcaster and author. His book is called Posting Peace why social media divides us and what we can do about it. Doug, uh, you are uh, in many ways prolific. Uh, what are you working on now? Can you share that? Well, I'm working on some new YouTube stuff because uh, everybody has to have a YouTube channel, a podcast, and a book, right? So I'm releasing some videos. You can go to fairlyspiritual.org and you can find those videos, and I'll, I'll start doing more of those. And then right now I'm writing a comedic novel because I've not made any money up to this point. So why not just continue Great. and I think it's an something excellent, that no one will buy? I think it's an excellent idea. Um, <laughs> I have an important question, wondering if John and I can, like, heckle you uh, in YouTube comments. Yes, uh, although I have disabled all YouTube Such comments. Oh, you See, then, I can't, then we can't. They're not redemptive. Oh, uh, they're not but, redemptive. Yeah, that's for sure. But if I want to trend, I need you guys to negatively talk about me. Because you know what happens is what yes. trends is some guy says something stupid and everyone talks about it for a week. Listen, so I need any you publicity, any publicity is good publicity. That's, that's what true. they say. Fairly spiritual. Well, I don't know if it's good, but it happens. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> Doug, we appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me on. Come yeah, on. looks for Doug. Uh, YouTube channel, Doug, is it just we go to fairlyspiritual.org? Yeah, you'll find all things there. All things. All things. Anything you All could things. ever want. Go yes, to focus in on that sound, fairlyspiritual.org. Bye, Doug. Bye, Doug. Thank you so Bye. much. If you've heard any of our radio commercials here on Word FM, you know that we like funny stories that make us smile. This is not one of those commercials. I read this week that over one-third of U.S. adults now owe more in credit card debt than they have saved. 
Add in the fact that milk and gas and kids' clothes and everything is out of control. And I think it's fair to say it's a scary time for a lot of good people. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And if that's you, I do believe a cash-out refinance, pulling out some of the value your home has earned the last few years, could be a saving grace. Yes, mortgage interest rates are up, but credit card rates are about three to five times higher. We've helped hundreds of listeners do this, using a cash out to rid of the credit card debt and then saving some extra aside for the road ahead. And it's undoubtedly a life changer for many. If you'd like to chat about your situation, we are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Corp, Melbourne, New York. And a number 1330. That's the Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage lender license 22672. When it comes a time and there is no food, how does she help the children get through that when they when their stomachs are, are empty? I tell them that today we cannot eat, but uh, another day we will have food. Yeah, we need to work in order to have food to put in our plates. Today, on this day of hope, you can be an answer to prayer for a mother like Marta. I'm Anitra with Food for the Poor, and we're inviting you to be a part of a miracle story that God is telling through donors just like you. Right now, because of a generous match, your gift, a one-time gift of $144, is going to provide a family like Marta's with food for a year. When you go to wordfm.com and click on the bright red Give Food banner or text send hope one word to 91999 you'll receive a link and you can make your most generous gift let's see if something costs less but people are happier with it that sounds like something to look into and that's metashare maybe you've heard switching to metashare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month and that's huge but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch to the customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. Uh, a few segments back, we were talking about National Peanut Lovers Day. <laughs> and uh, I'm happy to tell you that I've yeah. received a text to that effect. Oh. Um, this is from Rosie. Saying. Rosie said, uh, the fun size payday only has 90 calories. Rosie! Wait a second. The fun size payday is the size of your fingernail. Okay, first of all, okay. then that, that would be a delicious treat. And no one's eating one fun size. Okay, you're eating like four. If you Rosie. have some discipline, you could eat a fun size. No, no. that's an exercise in futility. Lexi, do you like the payday? I love payday. Yeah, oh, of come course on, Lex. you do. They're so good. Mm-hmm. Aren't they so good? I see you're breaking up over there. The producer, yeah. yeah. So 290 is the calorie count for fun the full size. size. Fun payday. size only 90. No one's eating Rosie, a fun size. Rosie, thank you for your uh, very helpful text I, message. I don't know. To me, that's like an exercise in frustration. Is it? A fun size. There's no fun in the fun size. Do you notice how now it's not even the fun size? Like for Halloween, because of shrinkflation, it was like, what did they call it? The bummer. It was like mini size. <laughs> <My bummer. laughs> 
It was like <laughs> I went to Sam's Club and got what I thought was a bunch of fun size candy bars. Yep. And they were like the little squares. Uh, what is the little square? I think they're yeah. silly. Yeah, the, those are like the mini size. Mm-hmm. What? But the mini size has been around for a while, has yeah. it not? I don't think so. I think it was. Uh, you give one of those mini sizes to a kid on your doorstep, I know. he You're burst out egged. into tears. Exactly. Or you get egged. You're, yeah, or you yeah, get egged. Right. Yeah, be careful with the fun size. Mm-hmm. Seriously, Rose, you're out there eating a fun size right now. Well, she's she feels comfortable doing it because it's such a delicious candy option. <laughs> There's no fun no, in the fun size. I'm telling you. There very, isn't. very good. Mm-hmm. Coming up on the 5 in the 5 o'clock hour today, we're going to yeah. be talking about uh, a push from some state lawmakers uh, for priests to report abuse that they learn about in the confessional. Uh, that's, that's a really the, hard that is a really difficult subject i think I mean, that's kind of like client attorney privilege it is isn't it's, it? that's exactly what it is right i mean uh, who's going to go to confession if you're a catholic and you think uh, okay i've got to rip, i've got to say some state lawmakers are pushing for it that's a topic is coming up okay. in the next hour listen when we were kids uh you know i grew up as a catholic schoolboy, and there's training you know of course there's training for your first holy communion and then there's training for your confession Okay. Which I loved. Because you I think, loved practicing confession? Because it was like the the nun that we had, I think you were like in second grade. The nun was like, well, just make up something that you might tell your priest. You know, let's 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 go through <laughs> oh, this little. So make up a sin? You were role playing. Yes. I, you, we made up like these fabulous, like, oh, sister. You know, and, <laughs> and you just kind of went at it. And every kid had like their own special thing. It was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, it, in the stricture of the Catholic educational system in the 1960s, I remember that mostly as a, like a moment of hilarity. And <laughs> did of course, she laugh? Yeah, she did laugh. Yeah, yeah. right. And we got to eat candy because they were using the communion wafers. Necco. We were using Necco wafers, and I thought, <laughs> "Are you kidding me? I like this confession and communion for all the wrong reasons." <laughs> Just saying. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. Yep. Okay, so news comes today that what's on our plate, 60% of it in our diet contains additives. fun size bars is right. what it contains. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't find that hard to believe, do you? Well, I think... Unless you're eating a strictly vegan diet, and even that might be suspect. I don't even think it's... I don't even matter. No, it would matter. It wouldn't matter if it was vegan or if it was. Why? Well, like the, well, because the, does meat? I mean, the meat that you're eating is filled with hormones and chemicals. You know it is, Kath. You know it is. I don't. I don't know that it is. What? Come on. Okay, what does the article Wait, you, say? You just, you just looked up how many calories in a payday. Yeah. You can see how many hormones are in your hamburger. Well, There's no doubt about that. Okay. Right? So this is an article from Study Finds. Yeah. Do you have it? I do not. Oh. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. I thought that was later on in the show. Oh, yeah. no. See, it's coming no, up right really, here. But wait, wait okay. a typical meal. Okay, yeah. so a typical meal. Say you went out somewhere and had like, you know, you went to Wendy's. Okay, you went to Wendy's okay. and had some fast food. You had mm-hmm. a burger and some fries. Okay. You know that that thing is just filled with chemicals. You know it is. Yes. First of all, the well, bun, it- the bun has what? Preservatives. Yes, the bun has right? preservatives. The pickles maybe dipped in arsenic. I mean... Uh, <laughs> Just saying. I mean, the meat is funky. You know that. Right. The fries are filled with questionable things. Everything that we put in our bodies okay, now. But, but not everything we put in our bodies is fast food. It says 60% of food in Americans' diet contains additives. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're hopefully we're eating places other than fast food, right? Well, okay. say you go to Giant Eagle and you buy like what? Like a Swanson's Hungry Man dinner. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's another. What about what happened to cooking, though? 
right? What happened to cooking? Okay, even if you had like, you know, like say spaghetti and marinara sauce, there's got to be some funkiness in the marinara sauce, right? Unless you're making it at home. That's a, everybody's, you know, starts out with, especially when you have kids, I'm going to, you know, have purity in my child's diet. And then before you know it, you're having chicken nuggets and you just kind of surrender to it all. This is a new study from the Journal of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Love those guys. They're calling it technical food additives, including coloring or flavoring agents, preservatives, and sweeteners. Sadly, mm. it's a 10% increase since 2001. Flavoring agents. So, like, our taste buds have become like worn MSG, down. right? Right. We need more. More flavoring. All that stuff can extend shelf life and improve palatability. Okay. Might shorten our shelf lives. Yep. And flavoring agents ahead in the 5 o'clock hour. WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. With SRN News, I'm John Scott, the House Homeland Security Committee, with a field hearing on the border crisis in McAllen, Texas. Committee Chairman Mark Green of Tennessee says, there have been a couple of developments since the Biden administration began. One, there are the policies, there, and, and those policies came from the promises the president made during his campaign. And two, the State Department has allowed the return agreements to expire. The panel's Democratic members boycotting that hearing. The way is cleared for the first major railroad merger in more than two decades after federal regulators approved Canadian Pacific's $31 billion acquisition of Kansas City Southern. Ohio filing a lawsuit against Railroad Norfolk Southern to make sure it pays for the cleanup and environmental damage caused by that fiery train derailment on the Ohio-Pennsylvania border in Palestine last month. This is SRN. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I'm Corey, and this is my story. I was going through some financial troubles paying off my credit cards. I was paying high interest rates, and it just wasn't getting any better. And I knew I had to do something. So my mom told me about Trinity, and so I decided to call. Trinity was able to do something that I couldn't. I'm paying off my debt. I'm saving thousands, and things are really looking up. I promise you guys, you will not regret it when you called Trinity because it was such a relief and less stress in my life and it was the best thing I could have done for myself because once I called Trinity, they took care of me and I felt such a relief, a weight off my shoulders. Trinity was great to work with. They wanted to help me. I love it. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. I'm Corey and I'm debt free for keeps. 1-800-936-5496. It's no secret that this economy is taking its toll on us. But I've got some important news that could really help. If you're facing $10,000 or more in credit card debt, medical bills, or other unsecured debt, you need to know that you may not be required to pay it all back. There are special programs that can significantly reduce the amount you will owe if you qualify. This isn't bankruptcy or a high-interest debt consolidation loan. These are programs that credit card companies don't want you to know about. Ones that offer Americans struggling with overwhelming credit card debt, savings, and real debt relief fast 
faster than thought possible. Accredited Debt Relief has a special hotline to learn all about these programs and what savings you qualify for. They've helped qualified consumers with over a billion dollars in debt and have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. So call the Accredited Debt Relief Hotline now for this free information. Call 800-786-2300. 800-786-2300. That's 800 786 2300. Eden Christian Academy celebrates 40 years of providing Christian education to thousands of children in the North Pittsburgh area. At Eden, students are engaged in an education where dedicated faculty go above and beyond as they teach, connect, and are used by God to help transform the lives of every student. March 13th through 17th is Admissions Week, a perfect time to learn how Eden can equip your child as a critical thinker and caring leader in today's world, pre-K through 12th grade. Learn more at Eden Christian Academy. How was your drive to school? Let me tell you. I had to get my iced coffee first. I just can't seem to put it down. My favorite rapper just announced a tour. My phone was buzzing like crazy. I'm so excited. I had to text all my friends right then to talk about it. Then someone started calling me and... Let's try that again. I turned my phone off right away. I never drive distracted. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Partly cloudy tonight with a low of 27. Tomorrow will be breezy with some sunshine giving way to clouds, high 56. Cloudy tomorrow night, couple of late night showers, low 46. Friday will be breezy with occasional rain and drizzle. We'll wrap up the week with a high of 54. Saturday will be windy and colder with intervals of clouds and sunshine. Expect a high of 38. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, spring's coming up. Uh, we're five days away from the start of spring. I didn't know. Monday, I'm, March 20th I'm at 5.24 p.m. We can it's celebrate it. It's a gorgeous day. Yeah. Spring is going to be Wonderful here. day in Pittsburgh. Tomorrow, oh. I was originally supposed to get up into the 60s. Now it's going to get up into the 50s, which, believe me, it. I'm going to take, and I'll receive it happily. Remember two days ago? Was it was it yesterday? When I, yeah. When <laughs> I was cold. I, when I went to bed on Monday night, all the roads were covered with snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or was that Tuesday night? No, it was Monday night. So spring is just five days away. It's fine. We're, we're good. Okay, I, I saw something really interesting today. Uh, this is this is a very particular, I, I, I guess it is, right? Although I guess if you were... Protestant, uh, but this is from Religion News Service. Catholic leaders are pushing back against efforts to alter state laws that exempt clergy from reporting child abuse that they hear about during the sacrament of confession. Um, advocates for abuse survivors insist the changes are necessary, noting instances when uh, there's been abuse by a parishioner or even a cleric continued despite a priest learning about it during confession. Uh, The debate comes as lawmakers in three states, Vermont, Delaware, and Washington, consider removing an exemption in mandatory reporter laws that for what is often described as clergy penitent privilege. Similar to attorney-client privilege, it protects information discussed in a confidential pastoral conversation from being used in court, even if the information concerns child sex abuse. 
uh, the Diocese of Wilmington in Delaware, in a statement published earlier this month, described the seal of confession as Mm non-negotiable. The statement said that breaking the seal of confession would incur um, excommunication by the priest, uh, towards the priest, but the sanctity of clergy, penitent privilege in the United States which applies to Catholics as well as other religious groups, dates back to 1813 when uh, there was a court in the city of New York. It forced a priest to testify. The court, the case later went to the Supreme Court. Uh, more recently, the principle has been challenged in 2016 in a case in Louisiana. A 14-year-old said she had been, uh, she told her priest during confession that she was being abused by another parishioner. The priest allegedly did not report the abuse and encouraged the minor to move past it, even as the parishioner continued the abuse. When the minor's family eventually found out, then sued the diocese and defended the priest, arguing that uh, he was not exempt from reporting and was compelled to testify. Uh, wow. That's a legal slippery slope, isn't it? That's from but, religious, religion News Service. Yeah, right? RNS. Mm-hmm. How could you, as a priest, know that a child was being abused? And not do, do something, something about it. I was just thinking, how do you do something about that without violating your clergy penitent privilege? There has to be a way. <clears throat> be- now, could but- you anonymously tell tell someone yeah. else? Uh, I, that, that, I don't know. I don't know. I mean... You can't because they say that it's inviolable, clergy penitent privilege. Well, then, then the priest should have said to the to the to the child, "You need to tell your parents." Yes, which instead of telling her that she should get over it, which is that I, no, right? You yeah. said something like move that. Past move it. past it. You should. You need to and tell it's about the, the worst. You need to tell your response. mother or father, and if you can't tell your mother or father, you need to tell your best friend and have the best friend tell her parents. Someone, an adult, needs to step forward. There's got to be a way around this. I mean, I get the idea of. You well, know, there can't be. A, if there's a way around it, then it, there's no clergy penitent privilege. It has to be absolute, or it can't be anything. You know, there can't be a way around it. Okay, so then if you go into a confessional, or would this would this apply to to your pastor? You you no. go to your pastor and you say, Pastor, no, I've murdered someone. No, because it's not. They don't. They there's don't no that, clergy penitent privilege. It's purely a Catholic. I think it is. I've murdered someone. Yeah, and there's so, no pastor. There's, I'm right. going to tell you that. And so, I don't know though. Is there a pastor out there? I mean, there's no official confession outside of the Catholic Church. Is there confession in the Orthodox Church with a priest? I believe there is. Frederica Matthews Green, Tom Soroka would be able to tell us that. Yeah, but I don't don't know that for sure, Tom. If you're listening or Frederica, please text one of us um, and let us know if there is a thing like that. That seems like a huge leap. So I'm thinking about the states that are pushing it right now. Vermont, Delaware, Delaware and Washington. Well, yeah. Three very liberal states. Yeah. Um, three of the most liberal states we have in the union. And uh, the, you know, the, the additional uh, you know, elephant in the room is that the Catholic Church looks so horrible because of its decades of covering up sexual abuse claims that when they talk about clergy penitent privilege, it falls on deaf ears to most people because they think really like that's your biggest concern. Do as I say, not as I do. So you're just going to cover up for more sexual abusers. I mean, 
So, I mean, the Catholic Church is in a very bad position when it comes to PR on this issue. But as this becomes more and more common, unfortunately, again, there has to be a way around this. It's interesting that a child would feel safe in a confession. Saying that. Speaking to a priest about that and not speaking to her mother or father. Maybe her mother or father was doing it. They said it was a parishioner. Oh, it was a parishioner, right. Well, you know, when you were a kid, you could tell people some things you couldn't tell your parents. Oh, yeah. So there you go. It's just one of those items. I don't know. I think that's I'd like to talk about that more. Maybe let's we could have a uh, an attorney talk to us about that. A priest talk to us about that. See what they'd have to say. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Justice Antonin Scalia. The law. It is right there. 101.5 101.5 WORD. I'm Donna Cruz. Join Keith Stevens and me this weekend for Keep the Faith. Max Lakato shares encouragement for the times you're waiting for an answer from God. I write everything longhand, and I've written books now for 30 years. Consequently, I have really an issue that happens in my hand when I grab a pen. Well, that's not good. As of yet, that answer is still not yet. I hope you can join us for Keep the Faith, Saturday night at 10 on 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month. And that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch. Too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 888-SHARE-19. That's 888-SHARE-19. 888-SHARE-19. Late summer this year, you can join Alistair Begg on a fascinating Mediterranean cruise. We'll be visiting Split, Croatia, a city with a bustling waterfront, ancient ruins dating back to the Romans. History that we've only read about will come alive before our eyes. Views unchanged from the time of the Apostles' travels. And in it all, being able to look to the Bible as we look into our world and realizing how God's Word brings light into the darkness in so many places. Join Alistair Begg for a -a once-in-a-lifetime Mediterranean cruise. Immerse yourself in the wonder of some of the world's most famous cathedrals, museums, and works of art. We'll be sailing on Norwegian Cruise Line's newest ship, the luxurious Viva. For details, log on to deeperfaithcruise.com. Then call 855-565-5519 to join. 855-565-5519. Inspiration Cruises and Tours is a trusted partner of Salem Media Group. Bachman's Roofing and Solar is your local award-winning roofer. Stop waiting. It's time to inspect your roof and protect your home's number one asset. With no interest and no payment financing for 12 months, Bachman's Roofing is your easy choice for roofing, gutters, and solar. Did you know Bachman's Roofing is one of the number one GAF solar integrated roofing installers in the USA? Go with Bachman's. Go with solar and install the roof that pays for itself. Call 412-744-8390 or visit bachmansroofing.com. 
Antonin Scalia, the lion of the Supreme Court, gone far too soon and missed greatly. James Rosen is with us. He's a reporter, chief Washington correspondent with Newsmax, also a historian, best-selling author of The Strong Man, John Mitchell and the Secrets of Watergate, hailed by the New York Times Magazine as Pulitzer Quality Biography, and Cheney One-on-One, a collection of transcripts from the 10-hour oral history that Rosen conducted with former VP Dick Cheney. Uh, James, welcome to the show. Happy that you're with us here today. How are things with you today? Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. So, James, when you decide, oh, this is a, a two-part uh, biography, and so we're talking only about part one, which has just been released. Um, talk about how, I mean, an infinite number of people you could have written a biography on. Um, talk about why you chose the justice. So, so thank you for having me, John and Kathy. This book is called Scalia, Rise to Greatness, 1936 to 1986. It captures the first 50 years of Antonin Scalia's life. And it ends with him being sworn in and taking his seat on the Supreme Court. So if not before then, I hope to rejoin you in about two plus years time <laughs> yeah. to uh, discuss volume two, which will cover Justice Scalia's tenure on the Supreme Court. Wonderful. I knew Justice Scalia a little bit. Uh, when I first came to Washington to be a Washington correspondent at the time for Fox News back in 1999 at the age of 30, the first thing I did was write to Justice Scalia to seek an interview. This commenced between us a, uh, an unusual and I think amusing correspondence that went on or spanned about two years' time, excerpts from which will appear in Volume 2. We had lunch together one-on-one, twice. We, we drank wine together. Justice Scalia asked me to eat vegetables off of his plate. I said, Mr. Justice, I, I couldn't. And he said, come on, come on, come on. So now I'm shoveling, at the age of 30, I'm shoveling Justice Scalia's vegetables off of his plate into my mouth. And he, he drove me back That's to rarefied work. air, oh. James. Yes, yes. And he even gave me rides back to work, uh, which were slightly unnerving, something I confirmed with folks who had been his debate tournament partners and traveled with him back in the 1950s, all the way through Supreme Court clerks in the 21st century, who when I told them I had been Justice Scalia's passenger in his BMW, they said to me, God help you. Uh, So I I knew him. And what I found was that um, he was so generous to me as a young reporter, I resolved that one day I would write about him. Uh, the, the contents of our lunches, our discussions, will remain off the record, but the, the correspondence will be published in parts. But what I found is that the two existing books of the biographies that are out there already of Antonin Scalia, uh, there are two of them. Uh, one of them he cooperated with extensively, the other not at all. They both came out while he was alive. And they both ended up in the same place, which was openly hostile to Justice Scalia and his legacy and his jurisprudence and his conduct. So this book, Scalia Rise to Greatness, which is just out, uh, which is five years in the making, but much longer if you go back to those lunches in 1999 and 2001. Uh, Scalia Rise to Greatness, I like to say, is the first accurate history of Antonin Scalia because it's the first admiring portrait of the man. Mm. James, help us to get to know him. Um, obviously, a, a towering intellect, but not given everything that he wanted. Um, talk about some of the rejections that he suffered that might surprise us looking mm-hmm. back. So uh, Antonin Scalia was really a product of the immigrant experience, and his rise to greatness that we chronicle in this book, his rise to the Supreme Court, really is the embodiment of the American dream. His father came from Italy to the United States in 1920 with $400 in his pocket and not speaking a word of English, and he made himself into a renowned professor 
of Romance languages. His mother was herself the daughter of Italian immigrants, and she made herself into a school teacher. They were devout Catholics. And so from these three influences, uh, the Catholic Church with its liturgy and its foundational sacred texts, uh, and the influence of Salvatore Eugene Scalia, the Romance languages professor, who warned uh, in his own writings about the, the, the prospects for original meaning of texts to be distorted by translators and interpreters uh, who weren't faithful to the original meaning of the text. And from his mother, the school teacher, with her own veneration of the classics and her emphasis on grammar and some of the other hallmarks that we see in Scalia's writings, uh, from these three influences, Scalia emerged with a profound reverence for the original meaning of texts. They weren't to be monkeyed with. Uh, Scalia, his whole life, told the story uh, of what he called the Shakespeare Principle. This occurred when he was at high school. Uh, he went to a, a rare kind of school. It was a Jesuit private school that was also a military academy. And Scalia graduated from Xavier High School in Manhattan, uh, number one in his class in 1953. There was a fearsome Irish Jesuit priest who spoke with a thick Boston brogue named Father Tom Matthews, had a profound influence on Scalia. And one day they were talking about Hamlet in class, and a wise guy, not Scalia, pipes up in the class and says something snarky. And as Scalia recounted this, what he called the Shakespeare principle, Father Tom Matthews glared down at the wise guy, and he said to him, Listen, mister, when you're reading Shakespeare, Shakespeare's not on trial, you are. <laughs> and again, it carried for Scalia the importance of, of, of these venerated texts, and um, you're right that he didn't get everything he wanted along the way. He was rejected from the first high school he wanted to attend. He was rejected from Princeton University, even though he was uh, valedictorian. Uh, and one of the documents that I got a hold of for this book that's never been published before is an, a secret oral history of his life that Scalia conducted in 1992, his seventh term on the Supreme Court, where he had a female attorney that he had known for some years come into chambers and interview him about his whole life. Uh, and this was first unsealed in 2018, so no previous biographer has had access to it. Right. And when he was talking to this uh, interviewer in this secret oral history about how dejected he was that he'd been rejected by Princeton, he said that he felt that the interviewers, the alumni from Princeton who interviewed him for application to the school, just uh, came to the conclusion looking at Anton Scalia, even though he was valedictorian and a very handsome guy in his cadet uniform, that he wasn't the Princeton sort. And when the oral history interviewer asked him, well, what does that mean, not the Princeton sort? He said, not waspy enough, didn't go to the right clubs. Uh, but he got over that, and of course, he went to Georgetown University, another Jesuit institution, where, again, he was valedictorian. And then ultimately, he went on to Harvard Law, so he certainly showed the folks at Princeton. But this was one of a number of instances in his life where Scalia experienced anti-Italian prejudice, he was not a fan of identity politics and its legal spawn, and he certainly was never apt to portray himself as a victim. But my research showed that over the years, he actually encountered more anti-Italian prejudice than he was willing to let on or discuss, including sometimes people insulting him right to his face on that basis. Really? Well, that was certainly a different time. I mean, anti-American uh, Italian immigrants have risen to great higher uh, levels of, uh, of work in this country. Uh, James, talk to us about his family, about his wife and his children, about himself mm -hmm. as a husband and a father. So the, the keys to Scalia's rise to greatness were his Catholic faith, uh, the fa his mother and father who instilled great reverence not only for foundational texts, 
but for character in him. And, of course, there was his own individual genius and his inexhaustible capacity for hard work uh, and his affability. But the other ingredient in his greatness and his rise to success was, of course, his wife, Maureen Scalia, uh, to whom he was married for 55 years uh, and who was the mother of their nine children. Scalia always said that Maureen Scalia raised those nine children with very little assistance from him. And as he liked to say, there's not a dullard in the bunch. Um, and as I'm, I'm pleased that, that one reviewer of the book so far has said that Antonin Scalia may be the protagonist in this book, but Maureen Scalia is the hero of the book. Mm. And this, this book um, examines um, you know, the, just the, pure, the sheer schedule of those nine births clo- more closely than any previous uh, portrait of the man. Uh, and, and it really delves into the relationship between Nino and Maureen Scalia more deeply, their shared Catholic faith, their love for each other, uh, their divisions of labor more than any previous account. And as his career skyrocketed, uh, particularly in the mid-1970s when Scalia was an assistant attorney general in the Ford presidency and when he was preserving the powers of the presidency against reckless and greedy ideas to emasculate the presidency that were flying in every direction from Congress and the media. He was a very important guy. Um, he personally gave the green light that it would be lawful for U.S. helicopters to land on the embassy in Saigon on April 30, 1975, so our personnel could be evacuated as Saigon fell. In those years... Um, at that point, in, uh, the Scalia's had eight of their nine children. They ranged in age from about a year to 15 years of age. And Scalia would be off in Europe for days at a time, sometimes six days at a time, for ABA conferences in Germany or England or Italy. And as I write in the book, for Maureen Scalia, who was a living and loving saint, a tireless and brilliant woman in her own right, those were the hardest days. Oh, my gosh. Seriously, I'm just dying inside. Nine children. It's quite a battle. James Rosen is with us. His new book is called Scalia, Rise to Greatness, 1936 to 1986, the first of two volumes that Mr. Rosen is writing on Justice Antonin Scalia. Uh, You know, as as you were talking about his rejection from Princeton uh, University, James, I was thinking about how much things have changed. You know, he said he, he didn't get into Princeton because he wasn't in the right clubs. He wasn't waspish enough. He was too Italian, too Catholic. Boy, now you look at the court and look how much the perception of Catholics has changed. Um, I'm sure this is going to you know, come out more in, in book two as you look at his time being on the court. But your own you know, personal thoughts about that. Well, certainly, uh, diversity matters, and um, it's it, you know we don't think of him this way. But in 1986, Antonin Scalia represented a measure of diversity for the Supreme Court. There are so many um, treasures of documents that we've gotten a hold of that are in this book that the previous biographers either overlooked or were unavailable to them. Uh, one that they overlooked was the audio recording and the transcript of uh, the only time that Antonin Scalia ever appeared before the Supreme Court as an advocate arguing for the Supreme Court. This was in January 1976, hmm. just shy of Scalia's 40th birthday, when he was the assistant attorney general. As a custom, the solicitor general, who usually does the arguing for the federal government before the Supreme Court, at the time it was his good friend, Robert Bork. And as a custom, the SG, the solicitor general, usually allowed any of the assistant attorneys general to argue any one case before the Supreme Court if they had an interest in it. Scalia did, and he argued a case where the U.S. government was not a party to the case. They were just arguing what they call an amicus or friend of the court brief before the justices. 
But this was January 1976, and it was a case involving Dunhill, the cigar manufacturer, and the Castro government, which had nationalized the cigar industry way back in 1960. Uh, the previous biographers never consulted the audio recording of this oral argument or the transcript. And it's a historic moment where 10 years before his arrival at the court as a justice, as the first Italian-American justice, Scalia is arguing before the justices, which included the chief justice at the time, Warren Berger, and a number of justices with whom he would later serve. But he gets eight minutes into his brief, and that alone made Scalia nervous because mm. he didn't like to just recite the brief. He wanted to mix it up and get into the questions the justices might have. He had the same attitude as a justice. Mm -hmm. He didn't want during oral arguments someone to come and read the brief they already submitted. Let's get into it. Let's argue. Um, and he got eight minutes into it before the first question is posed to him by a justice of the Supreme Court. Who was that? Thurgood Marshall, the first African-American justice. And here, in a sense, he is welcoming 10 years ahead of his arrival, the first Italian-American justice on the Supreme Court. And guess what? Scalia, who was a master of debate going back to high school and college, uh, even as an assistant attorney general, mixing it up uh, in his testimony on Capitol Hill, running rings around the lawmakers because none of them could match his, his, his grasp of logic and Latin and the rest of it. Uh, but here, uh, Thurgood Marshall posed a kind of indecipherable question to him. And if you listen to that audio recording, the first ever recording known to exist of Scalia's voice uh, from 1976, uh, he's stammering. He's thrown for a loop. He can't quite figure out what, what Justice Marshall is asking him. <laughs> and this goes on for minutes. He sounds almost at times like Ralph Cramden in The Honeymooners going, really? ah, ah. And uh, finally, he figures out a way to, uh, to redirect the conversation to more favorable ground. Uh, but it, 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 his, his 15 allotted minutes turned into 18 minutes, and then he sat down. Ultimately, the side on which, on behalf of which Scalia was arguing prevailed. But it was an important lesson for him, as I write in Scalia Rise to Greatness, as he descended the 53 steps, the marble steps of the Supreme Court that day. He knew he hadn't done very well, and he knew that for all his mastery of debate, he still had room to improve. James, wow. we need to step away for a minute. Can you stick with us for a few more minutes? You bet. Fabulous. We're talking with James Rosen, his brand new book, Scalia, Rise to Greatness, 1936 to 1986, the first of two volumes headed our way, Antonin Scalia. We'll be back with James Rosen in just a minute. Stay with us. Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. It's the ride home here on Word FM. God calls us to a deep gladness because we, as believers, we all have a deep hunger. Grove City College knows about that calling. Right? They assume, we all do, that that caller is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And so Grove City is committed to helping people, young students, pursue the vision for our lives and believes believe that you'll be changed as you find your sense of purpose, your sense of calling in this world. And I think that's what we all want out of college, right? We want those four years that are filled with so much uncertainty to be ones that end up giving us the clarity we want. To give us a place. Yeah. And to give us the foundation of education and the foundation of relationships that we really want. Um, Grove City is a special place and not every school appeals to every kid or every parent, but this is the time we're already in March. This is the time when applications are going out. This is the time when you need to make your college visits, your college, you know, your phone calls, all those sorts of things. So if you're a parent of a high school senior or even a high school junior and sophomore who is interested in like getting on the ball, this is the time to do it. So do yourself a favor and go up to Grove City and talk to somebody, get a tour from a student and find out if that indeed is the right place for you and your family. We're all called to something. 
Don't you owe it to yourself to investigate the excellence of Grove City College? Look online first, gcc.edu. That's Grove City College. Let's be real. Retirement is expensive and inflation is making it even harder with the cost of everything going up from pet food to a dozen eggs. Wouldn't it be great if the cost of your health care could go down? Well, MediShare 65 plus is $99 a month for ages 65 to 74. And for many with Medicare Parts A and B looking at other options, that's 50% or more saved per month. No gimmicks. It's $99 a month, and you can use any Medicare-approved doctor or facility, and you get 24-7 access to telehealth from the convenience of your home. Better yet, MediShare is a Christian nonprofit organization. It's a community that will pray for you and encourage you. And since we've cut out the middleman, you get to keep the savings. Call now. You can learn more about MediShare 65 plus. Here's the number 833-SHARE-55. That's 833-SHARE-55. 833-SHARE-55. Discover the magnificence of the Mediterranean with Alistair Bay and our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. Nine life-changing days of powerful worship, Bible study, and history. Sign up now, deeperfaithcruise.com. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, tune in, and on Odyssey, in your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Partly cloudy tonight with a low of 27. Tomorrow will be breezy with some sunshine giving way to clouds, high 56. Cloudy tomorrow night, couple of late night showers, low 46. Friday will be breezy with occasional rain and drizzle. We'll wrap up the week with a high of 54. Saturday will be windy and colder with intervals of clouds and sunshine. Expect a high of 38. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. We're talking with James Rosen. He's the White House correspondent for Newsmax and the author of a brand new book called Scalia, Rise to Greatness, 1936 to 1986. James Rosen. James, I keep a quote from uh, Antonin Scalia on my desk. And so therefore I read it every day because I think it's that important. Uh, The quote says this, I attack ideas. I don't attack people. And some very Mm -hmm. good people have some very bad ideas. And if you can't separate the two, you got to get another day job. That is a, that is an accurate quote. So talk about um, no. So the first thing I think of is is his friendship with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, I'm not sure what comes to your mind first, but tell us. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and this book, Scalia: Rise to Greatness, just out now. Um, one of the many sets of new documents that are presented here, and which I'm really proudest of is that, uh, you know, the, the, the famous celebrated friendship between uh, Justice Scalia and Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg didn't begin on the Supreme Court. It actually began one rung below the Supreme Court on the Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. That's where uh, Ginsburg was already serving as a judge for two years, uh, an appellate judge appointed by President Carter, when Antonin Scalia was appointed to that same judge, uh, that same court by President Reagan in 1982. And uh, Justice Ginsburg's papers from the Supreme Court period are closed to researchers so far. Almost all of Justice Scalia's papers at the Harvard Law School Library remain closed to researchers so far. In fact, when I contacted the archivist there who worked with me a lot on this project uh, and asked them if they could help me nail down the date of my second lunch with Justice Scalia sometime in the fall 2001 term, uh, they told me politely that they couldn't because – 
that segment of his papers won't be released until 2032. Um, but just, Justice Ginsburg's papers from her tenure on the D.C. Circuit, uh, along with those of Robert Bork and other judges from that time, are open to researchers. Some 220 boxes of her papers at the Library of Congress. And the handwritten notes, the memos, the letters, the correspondence, the draft opinions that flew back and forth between the chambers of Judge Ginsburg and Judge Scalia when they first got to know each other in 1982 and through 1986, when Scalia is elevated to the Supreme Court and some years later she follows him there, these early writings between them, I call them the RBG Nino papers. They've never been published anywhere else. You can read them for the first time in Scalia Rise to Greatness. And they not only capture these two legal geniuses squaring off over issues like the First Amendment and the other legal uh, cases that came before them as, as jurists, but they capture their sparkling wit and their affection for each other and really the birth and the blossoming of this celebrated friendship, which has been memorialized, as we all know, in stage plays and in operas. I recently saw a life coach urging people to go out and find the Ginsburg to your inner Scalia. Well, <laughs> if you really want to know what made this relationship work, it was born of work. It was born at work. It was, it was the work. It was the judging that brought them together. And you can read it in, happening in real time in Scalia Rise to Greatness. James, w- w- when you see people, those few uh, incredible people who, who come up past our, our, our lives, the geniuses among us, always interested in the origin story. So someone like Antonin Scalia, uh, a child of immigrants, uh, educated by the Jesuits, uh, a, a young, supple mind who went to Georgetown University, obviously just an intellectual from the get-go. We'll not see these likes again. That stew is totally different, you know, in his time as opposed to our time. Do you reflect on that at all? Well, I would put it only slightly differently. I would agree that Scalia was one of a kind. It wasn't just that he was uh, incorruptible and and fueled by Catholic, deep Catholic faith. And it wasn't just that he was a genius uh, and extraordinarily hardworking. And it wasn't just that he was affable. Uh, and quick-witted, and it wasn't just that he was supported by Maureen, uh, Maureen Scalia. Uh, you know, he also benefited from the electoral phenomenon that was Ronald Reagan, the president who put him on the appellate bench and then on the Supreme Court. Uh, but while Scalia was one of a kind, I think every age produces polymaths and geniuses and really uh, sterling examples of human beings. I don't think Scalia would, would ever have suggested that um, – uh, that the, the ages after his passing would be bereft of people worthy of our admiration. That's good. Mm, that's good. Well, James, uh, very much look forward to reading this book that's come into our possession most recently. It's called Scalia, Rise to Greatness, 1936 to 1986. Thanks for being on the show, James. Thank you both so much. Truly, the pleasure is ours. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to dive into this. Wow, it's terrific. Looking forward to it. Coming up next, does this make sense? Does this make sense? W-O-R-D. What happens when you open God's Word every day? I'm Alan Jackson, and I have the privilege of joining you every weekday here on the radio. I see the transforming effect of God's Word daily. Lives are changed because His Word gives us insight for the challenges we face and encouragement in our walk with the Lord. Join me, and let's see what God has in store for us today. A fresh look at Scripture, weekday mornings at 930, Alan Jackson Ministries on 101.5 W-O-R-D. As the world is being affected by a global food crisis, families in the poorest countries cannot afford to eat every day. 
With your loving gift, you will provide life-saving food for families and mothers like this. I ask God for help for my children and to give us bread to have something to eat. For over 40 years, Food for the Poor has worked with local ministry partners to bring life-saving food to hurting families. Thanks to generous people like you. But now, more than ever, your help is needed to give food to truly starving families. Will you give a gift of $144 to provide a family of four life-saving food for the next year? Would you answer the prayer of a mother and a family in desperate poverty right now? Will you give right now? Call us toll-free, 855-828-4673. Or click the red Give Food banner at wordfm.com. Or from your mobile phone, text the word, send hope, one word, to 91999. If you have an IRA or 401k, please listen closely. My name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. Throughout my career, let's just say I've been in some hairy situations. And I believe right now the biggest threat facing Americans is they need to protect their wealth, which is exactly what I'm doing for my wife and six kids. And I believe the ultimate safe haven is physical gold and silver. You can protect your hard-earned retirement assets with a tax-free loophole that allows you to convert your retirement into physical gold and silver. The folks I use are Advantage Gold, and believe me, I've investigated the heck out of all types of people. Advantage Gold is the nation's highest-rated gold company. They have the best process, pricing, and service. If you want to get your free gold and silver investment kit, please contact Advantage Gold right now, and you'll see how easy it is to protect yourself with precious metals. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. Every day is a great day to play around at All About Golf in Butler. The new Ping lineup is here. Stop by the Pro Shop and check out the all-new line of Ping putters and get newly reduced deals on Ping G425s for a limited time while supplies last. All About Golf Bays equipped with top tracer technology are open year-round. 8 to 8 daily, rain or shine. Plus lessons for every age and skill level to help you master your game. All About Golf in Butler. Practice, learn, play. Visit allaboutgolfpa.com. Does this make sense? Does what make sense? YouTube commercials. Oh. Well, that's kind of like a necessary evil, isn't it? Like it's part of your contract. But does it make sense? Well, yeah, it does. Because the the exchange allows YouTube to exist. So without the commercials, then what are we going to have? Yeah, it makes sense. No, it, it doesn't make any sense what are you at saying? all. And here's why. They pay the bills. Here's why. Here's why. I'm not against the advertisers. I'm against the fact that now that they are so like I'm watching a live concert on YouTube in the middle of a a moving, beautiful solo. Mm. Hey, it's like Verbo. Yeah. Four day vacation on us. It's so stupid and invasive that everyone just rides their skip ad button. Am I making that up? You are riding it. So I don't pay any attention to the advertisements because they're so invasive so, that they make me mad. So therefore, they're not achieving their goal, and I'm not either because I'm trying to watch my concert. That does not make sense. Would you prefer an embedded commercial like the Disney thing during well, the Oscars? That was odd. I actually would. So like think. while Maybe they're singing a song, they go... Yeah, yeah. Verbo. No, no, right. that's, you're right. That's weird. But maybe at the beginning and end. 
Other, they do, but yeah. but the way they're inserted in the middle, right. I'm telling you, it's not working for them or me. Well, how about like when sense. you listen to like a favorite podcast and there's like seven minutes of commercials That's, at the beginning? Okay, but at least you can you, go through. Well, them. at least you know what it is. Yeah, it's coming. It's at the beginning. Right. You know, at 15 they're going to have another one, or at 30 they're going to have another. Right. I, just in the middle of something that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make sense. I still think it makes sense. Doesn't make sense. Okay, does this make sense? Now mm-hmm. you brought up uh, what did you say it's today's National Peanut Day. Yeah. So it made me think about Mr. Peanut. Oh yeah. What about the monocle? <laughs> does that make sense? Because that's a look. It's a very particular, and you don't see the monocle anymore. No. And at one point, it was like you know, there it was. You'd see it like you know people in <laughs> movies and things with just the one. So what was was that just? I don't understand. Well, I like that because look. First of all, it wouldn't it give you a headache to try to like. Well, it wasn't in all the time. It was kind of hanging down, and you wanted a closer look, and so so only with one eye. Yeah, so you just close the eye, and then you just look like looking through a little microscope or something like that. I think you know, and as a fashion thing, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wear one, but you admire it when you see it. I don't admire. (laughs) No, no, I just think it. You know. I kind of like the idea of a monocle. It makes sense to me. I mean, I think it made sense at a certain point. I don't think today. I mean, they have gla- you have glasses now. How about opera glasses? You see the women go, That's you know? weird. So that's, monocles that's, don't make that's sense? That's just uh, to be effective. If you're a business owner, imagine getting up to $26,000 per employee. There's still time for business owners to file for the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. This program is for business owners who continue to pay their W-2 employees during the COVID pandemic. Many businesses qualify and simply do not know it. All business types and industries may qualify. You can claim the credit even if you received a PPP loan. This is a cash payment and not a loan and can be claimed now. The licensed CPAs and tax professionals at DH Tax and Consumer Consulting have been serving business owners across the country for over 15 years. The best part is that until you receive your cash payment, you don't pay us a dime. Our tax credit specialists are available now at 833-ERC-FILE. And your tax payment estimate is quick, easy, and free. That's 833-ERC-FILE to qualify you and your business for up to $26,000 per W-2 employee for free federal aid. Call us now at 833-ERC-FILE. That's 833-ERC-FILE. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call Select Quote at 1-800-890-7878. That's 1-800-890-7878. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1-800-890-7878. That's 1-800-890-7878. Select Quote. We shop. You save. 
Full details on example policies at selectquo.com slash commercials. See today's best faith-based and family-friendly movies all free of charge. March 24th through 26th, Word FM welcomes the 2023 Projecting Hope Film Festival to the Pittsburgh Mills Cinema. Presented by Speakman Financial Group. See the best faith-focused films of 2022 and the highly anticipated 2023 release, Jesus Revolution. Plus free popcorn. Get free same-day tickets at the door while they last or reserve now for a minimum $1 donation at projectinghopepgh.com. See website for showtimes. You're not who you were 25 years ago. Your life's more complex. People change, families change, and the law changes. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman, and a proper estate plan should keep up with those changes. That's why Abernathy and Hagerman presents free ongoing estate planning workshops with attorney Dan Reimer, someone who's really good at making complex concepts sound so simple, so you can protect what's yours and to ensure that your will is done. The next one's happening soon. For details and to attend, visit a-h.law. Of course, the pandemic created a lot of uh, angst, but some really good things came out of the pandemic as well. This is really interesting. I saw this um, in the Wall Street Journal this week. Um, Let me just read a little excerpt. On a recent chilly Sunday in Manhattan, a mob of women clad in chunky sneakers and crossbody bags, gathered at the corner of Central Park West and 72nd Street. By noon, there were more than 100 of them, all braving the cold for what has become a weekly ritual. Brianna Cohn, leader of the group, stood on a bench to announce that it was time to go, and off they went, zigzagging through wooden paths, up stone stairs and over bridges, as runners, dog walkers, and tourists looked on. People have asked, is this a protest? After they see our stampede of 600 girls, Ms. Cohn said. I'm like, no, this is a group of girls looking to talk and hang out. At a time when many friendships are conducted online and loneliness from the pandemic still lingers for some, many young women are discovering the appeal of a low-tech, low-cost option, walking. Miss mm. Cohn, 29, started City Girls Who Walk last March. Many of her friends had left the city during the pandemic. She was trying to meet new people. So uh, she shared an open invitation on TikTok, inviting her followers to join her. More than 250 women, most in their 20s and 30s, showed up. Since then, City Girls Who Walk has inspired walking groups in dozens of cities across the United States and at least one in Europe. At the height of the pandemic, walks became a daily serotonin boost for many. Walking even got a rebrand from TikTok crowd, complete with the hot girl walk, (laughs) accessories, and a Spotify playlist. Now it's become a group activity. Hundreds and hundreds of girls, mostly young women in their 20s and 30s, walking together. What do you think? I think that's an awesome thing. There's so many unhealthy habits that we took to during COVID. Yeah. That is a healthy one. So wonder what that's, that's like. That's like embrace that, keep it. Yeah. Don't give it up. It's everything about it's good. So you're, say you, you show up as a single woman by yourself and there's a hundred women or in this instance, they're saying 600 women together. You start walking and then do you sidle up to mm-hmm. someone else? Probably. And just start a conversation. Yeah. And then you connect or not. And if you don't connect, you either pull back That's or right. move you forward down to the next the group, conversation. Right? I, I think it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Maybe someone has a dog and you like dogs. And so you decide you're going to talk about your dogs. Or, yeah. You just, know what I mean? You're hanging out. I mean, it doesn't cost you anything. And I wonder how long the walk goes on. 
Is it a five-mile walk? Or what's the pace like? I mean, is it like all of a sudden become like, you know, so some it's like, fitness workout? So it's like, it's like biking, right? You're going to end up hanging with the people who keep the same pace as you. Pretty much. Yeah. Like anything. I mean, you know, you and I both have a hard time with slow walkers. <laughs> it's always been that way. My uh, my one daughter years ago named it uh, Cougar Pace. Oh, you're you're uh huh. Yeah. Because when I when I'm walking, right, I like go. to go. Yeah, I just want to go. Yeah, let's 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 get moving. But you know, can you imagine? I mean, so there they are at 72nd in Central Park. So you're in the park. You're in Central Park. I mean, the, the, that's a lot of people coming at you. You would have to make everybody move out of your way because you're not all going to single file. You're like a group. And I bet that group is, I mean, they're not walking like a bunch of, you know, birds that are no, they're moving hovered probably. together. And they're probably in little groups. Yeah. But they're spread out over a long, long distance. I, I like it. I think it's pretty interesting. I can't wait to get back into walking when the weather gets good because I'm one of those lame people that when the weather's bad, I just don't want to do it. I get it. No, no. I mean, that's... Because you have to get bundled up. I, where was I? Was it today? It might have been today that I was coming over here and I saw someone out walking. You know, right over, we're over here in Across Green from Tree. Seven Parkway Center. Yeah, so there's a, a walking park. My my office looks out on this. It's a nice big track. It's a little... When you walk, I'd prefer not to walk like on a track. Yeah, I would too. Right. But I, I get it. I mean, it's safe over there. There's no traffic. There's no sure. not a lot of crowds. Sure, sure. But you do get your steps in. Okay, so what about that idea about steps? Remember, we went. To, did you go with me to see the um, John Kane? No, I never got to see it at the Heinz History Center. It's a fabulous because what I what, one of the things I took from that is they were talking about John Kane, you know, who was alive in the twenties and the thirties, his heyday, but how he got around, which I believe mm-hmm. probably most people did. Most people walked, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I've said this before. My grandfather, I looked at my grandfather's war ration book. He was 5'11 and weighed 145 pounds. Man, that is a thin person. So I just think it probably was the norm. People, I, I hate to say this, but we walked back and forth to school. Yeah. I mean, if I took that walk with my kids, they probably would look, what were you doing? Walking is just sort of a, a standard way of getting around. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fallen by the wayside. Yeah, when people go for walks, they're doing it for fitness. Right. It's not like they're doing it to go to get to, somewhere. Right, to get somewhere or do something. Unless you can't afford a car or a bus you have to, or you don't right. have a bike, you're walking. Right. I never lived in an environment where walking was really uh, possible beyond a certain point. Because what? Like, you were in the suburbs? I, I lived, yeah, I was in the suburbs. Without any sidewalks? No sidewalks. See, that's and the worst. The the little uh, street that I lived on was right on the like it would empty into a very dangerous street. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that yeah, you yeah. you could walk up and down the street, which is better than not doing anything. But there's, it, I just I never did a lot of walking. Yeah, and I every That's time the I of every the suburbs. time I go to a place like Regent Square, I think. People it be nice to live here and be able to walk yeah. places. I mean, I would really like that. That's what we always do. It just walked. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's the idea of women in numbers. Imagine the safety they mm-hmm. must feel. Yep. Right? And it's so good because many of those people, I'm sure, are still working from home and are still experiencing. I'm sure a lot of people love to work from home, and that's great. But it's isolating. New York's a lonely place. It, it, it keeps you away from the people who you would have to work, 
have to be with on a mandatory basis, right? Yep. So you're still on your own. That walk, I mean, is it once a week? Uh, it doesn't say how often okay. it is. So they're, they're talking about a Saturday afternoon. So probably it is once a week. Okay. But you know, I mean, I always thought think this, and I, I think this is probably true for anybody who's lived in New York City or any large city. You're surrounded by millions and millions of people, but oftentimes I was really lonely in New York, especially early on. You don't know anybody. I mean, you're working with some... And the city must seem so enormous. Well, it's fabulous because the thing about being in New York City is, of course, walking is a form of incredible entertainment. People watching, it's off the charts. I mean, you you just walk and watch yeah. people. It's just fabulous. It's great to do. But it can also be incredibly solitary. I just remember being you know, alone in my apartment thinking, I can't believe I'm so alone and there's millions of people out there. It takes a lot to sort of, sh- you know, sort of break through that. You need to find a way to make it smaller. Yeah. Right? right. Or you can't figure it out. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you have been working through a foot injury. Now that spring is coming, are you thinking about a walking regimen kind of like this? Yeah. Okay. I've been walking. What's that been like? Been good. So I think a lot of people walk because they have a dog, right? Uh, we, we are sans dog in our house right now. First time in for, forever and ever and ever. Um, but when I was hurt, I was hurt, man. I was hurt bad. And I was not even able to walk down the hall. Heck, I mean, management here, much to their credit, God bless you guys, they were like, you're so hurt. Why don't you broadcast from home for a while? <laughs> That's when you know. You're like, yeah, geez. I was really, I thought, I, I kind of got depressed because I'm thinking, this is it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll not be like so-called, you know, regular walking Yeah, like again. my foot's going to sideline me forever. Forever. Like, I'm, you know, going to have a handicap plate and, uh, you know, my normal regular, anyway, because of the miracle of medical science. I can't believe, you know, I mean, you, who knows what this is going to happen like, but a couple of steroid shots and some heavy duty orthotics, the pain's gone away. And so I am walking pretty much pain free again. That's incredible. It is incredible. Yeah, really, it is. I'm not saying this, it may not last forever, but for the least for the short term. Um, so I'm like, I'm walking for the first time in like my neighborhood, probably in about a year. And so, you're, you know, you're back out in a place where I used to walk daily with my dog. Mm-hmm. Dogs died. I'm kind of crippled up. Now I'm walking around going, oh, look at that. I didn't know that. Oh, oh I that didn't know happened. that happened. There. They put yeah. an addition on that house? Exactly. Uh-huh. I'm seeing with brand new, new eyes. New shutters. How yeah. about that? Everything's got a new coat of paint yep. or, you know. The things you don't notice when you're not out walking. Because you're driving. And what's really interesting to me is, uh, you know, again, I'm living out in the suburbs. I get no, no sidewalks. And there's always this disconnect between the walkers and the cars. Because if you're, you know, on one of these suburban streets and you're driving a car, a lot of people, one, they're always in a hurry. And two, you don't realize how fast 30, 35 miles an hour is when you're going down a street and there's walkers. So I've seen outbursts of people going, slow down, that kind of thing. Because you don't want to get hit by a car. of course. Listen, now that spring is happening, yeah, and five days, I, my family and I will emerge out onto our front porch again. Like That's when I start to notice, like all the puppies that have grown up, mm. all the kids that are bigger. You know what I mean? Like I saw Mabel the other day. Mabel's a neighbor. Uh, she's a Bernese Mountain Dog, and uh, last time I saw her, she—I mean, Bernese Mountain Dogs are large dogs. Oh my gosh! But last time I saw her, she's 138 pounds. Yalsa. I was like, wow, it's been a big winter for it's the Mabe. It's a bear. <laughs> She's yeah. good. Okay, so th- now, here we go. Uh, we're on the precipice, the cusp of springtime. Before you know it, 
you'll go in and get your your furniture out, your your porch furniture, yes. right? S- sweep or paint mm-hmm. your front porch. Right. You get it back up again. Is that the best feeling? I, I mean, just being out there, I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Read either. a book. It's coming. Look out at what there is to see in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. or go for a walk with a group of people. Like it was written up in the Wall Street Journal yep. yesterday. Hundreds and hundreds together. I just love it. Just do yourself a favor and get out. It's coming. We're so happy you stayed with us today on the ride home. Yeah. Uh, if you missed any portion of today's show, you can always get our podcast wherever you get your podcast. It's called The Ride Home with John and Kathy. And if you're going to eat a candy bar. Eat a payday, for goodness sake. It's don't National Peanut eat a fun size. No, no, go for the whole thing. Do not. Okay. 280. Forget that. Please. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.